is there just one formal concept of being, or are there many? Let me explain the terms of the question. Later scholastic authors often distinguish between formal concepts, the mental accidents by which we conceive of things in the world, and objective concepts, the things or natures in the world brought to mind by our mental accidents. So the question means, setting aside the nature or natures in the world that being refers to, how many mental concepts do we have of being? Is there just one, or are there many? Another clarification. The question is, as Peter Oriol would put it, a metaphysical, not a grammatical one. The concept of being is very important to scholastic metaphysics. It's supposed to be the most universal, the first known, that into which all other concepts are resolved. So my question is not, how many different sorts of things can we mean by the word being? But rather, is there just one most universal, first known concept into which all other concepts are resolved? Or are there instead many different concepts that play that role, jointly or singly? This question is a really important one for defenders of the analogy of being. The reason for that is that it seems like defenders of analogy have to answer that there are many concepts. And it also seems like this is a bad answer. Why? Well, if there's just one formal concept of being, then it seems that we always mean the same thing by being. And that Aristotle was wrong when he said that being is said in many ways. It seems, that is, that if there is one formal concept of being, then being is univocal, not analogical. So it looks like defenders of analogy have to answer that there are many formal concepts of being, not just one. On the other hand, denying that there is one formal concept gets you into all kinds of problems, as I will try to show. Today, I'm going to argue, in conversation with some of the later scholastic figures who discuss analogy, that defenders of the analogy of being should hold to just one formal concept of being, not to several. This approach solves the problems connected with analogy in the most elegant way and is compatible with a robust rejection of univocity. My aim here is primarily philosophical. I'm interested in the question in its own right. But I will be addressing the question by looking at some of the positions and arguments concerning the issue that can be found in the Renaissance and Baroque, Thomistic proponents of analogy and their opponents. In particular, I will be drawing our attention to an important philosophical and interpretive problem with the ingenious theories of Thomas de Vio Cajetan. So I hope I will be making some contribution both to a resolution of the philosophical question and to our understanding of the scholastic debate on analogy. Before I begin to do that, I want to note my indebtedness in particular to the work of Dominic de Torre. The idea for the talk came from reading his fascinating book, so hopefully he likes what he hears. All right, so with preliminaries over, my plan is as follows. In section one, I will explain some of the problems that arise if one takes a simple-minded many-concepts position about the concept of being. In section two, I will look at Cajetan's ingenious attempt at a kind of middle position, which is supposed to solve these problems, but suggest that some of the problems remain. In section three, I will look at the position that I'm gonna argue is, is better, that there is just one formal concept of being, and argue that this position is fully compatible with a rejection of university. Finally, in section four, I will conclude by showing why I think the one concept view does a better job than Cajetan's position. Section one, problems for many concepts. To start, I'm going to try to deliver on my earlier promise and show you how holding to many concepts can get you into all kinds of problems. Let's say we just accept Aristotle's dictum 
that being is said in many ways. Well, if that is true, then there are many meanings of the word being and many corresponding concepts, say substance, quantity, quality, et cetera, the, the, the concepts of the categories. So we have a kind of straightforward many concept view. Being has 10 different formal concepts, the concepts of the categories. Well, then we're going to run into problems fast. Of the many problems for this sort of view discussed by the scholastics, I'm going to pick out three groups that seem particularly important. And you can see in the footnotes to the handout uh, citations of some of the figures that I'm, that I'm drawing on for these problems. The first set of problems concern our phenomenology. They have to do with our experience of our own concepts. The problem is that it just kind of seems like we have a unified notion of being. Being. When I say that, it seems like I'm not kind of dodging around in my mind for lots of different concepts, say substance, accident, God, etc. I just understand one thing, being. Scotus formalized this idea into a famous argument, a version of which is on your handout. So here's the argument. Premise one. If one can be certain that something is F, but uncertain whether it is G or H or et cetera, et cetera, then F has a formal concept that is one and distinct from the formal concepts of G or H or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Premise two, one can be certain that something is a being, but uncertain whether it is a substance or accident or God or any other particular mode of being. Conclusion, therefore, being has a formal concept that is one and distinct from the formal concepts of substance, accident, God, or any other particular mode of being. Say I'm thinking about light. I can be sure that light is a being of some kind, but unsure whether it is a substance, an accident, or, I don't know, part of the stoic divine pneuma or whatever. So it seems that my concept of being, which I am certain applies to light, is different from any of my particular categorical concepts about which I am uncertain whether they apply to night or not. The second set of problems concern equivocation. The basic problem is that due to the multiplicity of different formal concepts or meanings, being will not be able to be used for scientific purposes without causing equivocation. This problem does clearly arise for some analogical terms. Health, for example, one of Aristotle and Aquinas' favorite examples of analogy, is said in many ways, and this can lead to equivocation. For example, consider the following argument. All healthy things are alive. Medicine is healthy, therefore medicine is alive. Obviously, the conclusion is false. Uh, the premises are true. How can this be? Well, one means something different by healthy as applied to a living being and healthy as applied to medicine, and this difference in meaning causes the argument to be invalid. This is especially worrying in the case of being, since it's supposed to be the subject of the science of metaphysics, which is supposed to make demonstrations about being in general, being qua being, not just about some particular kind of being. It's quite unclear how this is supposed to work if there are only particular ways of being and no one concept with one meaning that, you, that unifies them. And there are lots of other worries of a, of a similar sort. So for example, uh, it seems to be a requirement for something to come in degrees, as scholastics usually think that being does, uh, that it have one concept. So for example, you wouldn't say uh, a car is weightier than the weighty reasons against a simple many concept view of being. Uh, there's are different notions of weight, so you can't compare them to another like that. The third set of problems concern being as the first known concept. The concept of being is supposed by many scholastics to play a key role in the workings of our intellect. Most Thomists, for example, 
hold that being is the first concept that our intellects form. The first spark of intellectual recognition in a baby, they think, is being. They also think it is the formal object of the intellect. Just as sight is concerned with its objects insofar as they are colored, the intellect is concerned with its objects insofar as they have being. They also think it is the first concept in the order of resolution. When I think of something as man, as animal, etc., the ultimate step is to think of it as being. Being is most simple and is that into which every other concept is resolved and to which every other concept makes addition of some kind. Now, it's far from clear how any of these claims could be true if there isn't one formal concept of being. Is the claim supposed to be that any one or another of the formal concepts can play any of these roles? But then the intellect seems to have no formal object at all. And then the interesting statements of Avicenna, Aquinas, and others about the important role of the concept of being turn out to be a lot less interesting, since they are actually just statements about any of a number of different concepts. Section two, a middle way. Okay, so so far I've introduced my problem, how many formal concepts of being are there? And I argued that just replying in a straightforward way that there are many gets you into lots of problems. Now, the simplest way of avoiding these problems is, of course, to just accept that there's one formal concept, and then either accept univocity or argue that being can have just one concept but still be analogous. But might there not be a middle way which lets us answer these arguments while still holding to many concepts? The author of the most famous scholastic treatise on analogy, Thomas DeVio Cajetan, thought that there was. So in this section, I'm going to look at Cajetan's attempted middle way. Cajetan's theory is truly ingenious. It dodges scotistic arguments like a matrix character dodging bullets. But sometimes it's better to be sensible than acrobatic. I think that there's a better position that simply avoids the bullets in the first place. I'm not going to be able to get into all of the rich detail of Cajetan's complicated view. For our purposes, the important points are the following. Cajetan thinks that there are many formal concepts of being, but he has a cool trick that lets us treat them kind of sort of like they are one concept. The cool trick is the analogy of proper proportionality. Proportionality here is a term of art for the similarity of two proportions or ratios. If A is to B and C is to D, then we have a relationship of proportionality. And we can say that A is proportionally similar to C. For example, vision is to the sense of sight as understanding is to the intellect, and so vision and understanding are proportionally similar. Because of this relationship of proportionality, we can model understanding using vision and vice versa. We can talk about the intellect seeing and so on. For since understanding and vision are proportionally similar, whatever I say about vision is proportionally true of understanding, as long as I'm very careful to treat them only in the respects in which they're proportionally similar. So even though for Kajetan there are really many concepts of being, both formal and objective, because of their proportional similarity, since substantial act is to substantial potency as accidental act is to accidental potency, et cetera, et cetera, there are also, in a sense, one concept, since any one of the concepts can be used to understand the objects of all of the concepts, though in an imperfect way. This, Kajetan thinks, gives him a kind of cheat code for answering all of the problems of the many concept view. You can always just say, Ah, but even though there are many concepts, really, proportionally, there's one concept. It does seem to me that his view does a pretty good job, especially on the equivocation problem. 
Because one of the concepts of being is used proportionally of all, it has sufficient unity to found a contradiction and hence to be a middle term, etc. An accident can't be both proportionally similar to a substance and not be proportionally similar to a substance. And so anywhere where the opponent says that you need one concept, you just put in proportionally one concept and you're safe. And for more details here, you can look at uh, Hochschild's book, which is very good on, on these matters. What's more interesting to me here, though, is how the account fares with the phenomenology and first known problems. And here, while Kajetan does have interesting things to say, I think his view is less plausible. Kajetan shows us a way of having just one formal concept without losing analogy. But he doesn't take that option, and this leads his view into unnecessary complications, I think. Now here I'm getting into some murky interpretive waters, because as Suarez remarks, what Kajetan says about the formal concept of being is, is kind of ambiguous and hard to piece together. The place where Kajetan is clearest, I think, is in the De Conceptu Entis, which is a letter written to Francis Silvestre Ferrara, also known as Ferrariensis, uh, in response to two difficulties, and you have a big a big chunk from this in text one on your handout. Ferrariensis's two questions are, first, whether there is one formal concept of being or many. Cajetan's views on this seem to fluctuate between his De Ante commentary and his uh, treatise De Nominum Analogia. And second, how it can be that there is no separate concept of being, if Aquinas is right that the concept of being is simple, the first known, that into which every concept resolves. So obviously the, the concerns of the letter are very close to the concerns of this talk. Kajetan responds by first claiming that he has held all along that there is one formal concept, though as we will see, it's a bit of a, a tricksy claim that he makes there. And second, clarifying how his view allows being to be simple and first known, even though it's not abstracted from its inferiors, even though it's not just one separate concept. So first he says that he's always held that there's numerically one formal concept. What this turns out to mean though is that the concept of each of the analogates that is one of the particular senses of being, is numerically one, and that any one of them can be used as a concept of the whole of being in the way that I described before. But then, and this is where the quote on the handout starts, Kajetan adds a new sort of analogous concept, one which I at least don't clearly see in his earlier treatments. This is a proper concept of the analogon, that is of the analogous term, which is not any of the specific concepts and which imperfectly represents all of the analogous. Thus, from bone and spine, we can get what sustains flesh. And likewise, from accidental being and substantial being, we can simply get what is. While substantial being represents substantial being perfectly, but the other analogates of being imperfectly, this concept represents all of the different specific ways of being imperfect. And this concept is also numerically one. Okay, so Kajetan has assured us that he only thinks that there's one formal concept by showing that there are lots of formal concepts, each of which is one, and then by adding in a new di extra distinct concept, which is also one. So you can see how this strikes me as a bit of a tricksy answer. What about the second worry, that this view will be in incompatible with Aquinas' views about the special place of the concept of being? Well, Kajetan seems to think, each of these concepts has the properties that Aquinas wanted. Substantial being is simple, and notice, this is very important, distinct from our notion of substance. He says it's that into which our notion of substance is resolved. So it isn't just the same as our notion of substance. And then the new general concept of being is also simple. 
distinct from all the other notions, and that into which substance is ultimately resolved in the confused order of resolution. So uh, substantial being is that into which substance is resolved in the distinct order of resolution. This, con this extra confused concept is that into which substance is resolved in the confused order of resolution. So the view seems to be that there are at least 11 different formal concepts of being. One concept for each of the categories, distinct from the categorial concepts, and also another confused concept distinct from all of the rest. Some support for this interpretation can be found by looking at the views of Ferrariensis, the guy Kajetin's letter was addressed to. You can see this in text two on your handout. Uh, it seems to me that if you read that text, you can see that Ferrariensis is closely following Kajetin's view in De Conceptuentis. Ferrariensis, too, thinks that there is a separate, confused, and imperfect concept in addition to the concept of the analogates. Uh, corresponding to the quid nominis, distinct from all the rest and re representing all imperfectly. So you can see, he's, I think he's just following what Kajetin said in that letter. What are we to think of this theory? Well, Kajetin has offered us solutions to many of the problems. We feel like there's one unified notion of being. Yep, Kajetin tells us there's one of those two, the confused one. If we like, Scotus's argument, we want our notion of being to be distinct from all categorical notions. Yep, Kajetin tells us there are lots of those, including the new confused one. We want being to be the first known and the most simple concept. Yep, he tells us each of the concepts is all of that, at least according to some order of resolution. Nevertheless, I am unsatisfied with the theory. Frankly, it seems grotesque. To see why, consider the common Thomistic thesis that being is predicated immediately and in quid of every difference in mode. We can understand what this thesis means by contrasting the way being works with the way that a genus works. A genus, say, body, is predicated immediately of its inferiors because it is predicated of them in virtue of some particular perfection, say, corporeity, that they all have. A genus is predicated in quid, that is, essentially or quidditatively, of its inferiors, but not of the differences that divide it into its species. Man is essentially a body, but rationality is not essentially a body. It adds something to the notion of a body contained, not, that's not contained in the notion of a body. Following Aristotle, Kajetan thinks that this is not the way that being works. I don't call something a being in virtue of just some one aspect or perfection of it. I call, being, I call a thing a being in virtue of the whole of the thing virtue of all of it. Things are, as it were, beings all the way through. So when being is divided into the different sorts of being, it isn't divided by perfections that are distinct from it. After all, anything distinct from being is just nothing. So every genus, species, difference, mode, every categorical concept just is a special way of being, and thus has being predicated of it immediately and in quid. Notice, this means that there's nothing particularly special about the categories, the highest genera, when it comes to being. Being is predicated just as immediately of differences and modes, and indeed of species, as of the categories. But then Kajetin, we can see, this implies, won't have just 11 different concepts. He will have an infinity of such concepts, or close to it. One for every possible genus, difference, species, etc. Since Kajetin seems to hold that each of these distinct concepts is separate from the categorical concepts that resolve into it, this seems to entail that every node of the vast Porphyrian tree has a kind of ghostly double. For every categorical concept, there's a unique, simple, and distinct concept of being corresponding to it. Now, at least to me, 
This seems phenomenologically implausible. So much for the phenomenology problem. How about the first known problem? Well, the story pretty much repeats itself, except for that here, I fear that Kajetan has not consistently described his view. For the same reason as before, it seems that there's not going to be just one primum cognitum, but infinite different prima cognita, at least in the order of distinct resolution. Kajetan claims in a different part of the text that the first known in the order of origin is the confused concept of being, while the first known in the order of distinct resolution is one or another of the distinct concepts. But this seems inconsistent with the way that he describes the formation of the confused concept, which seems to be abstracted from more particular concepts and hence cannot be prior to them in origin. Likewise, it is not obvious how the distinct concepts of being could be simple according to the way that he describes them. The nature of substance insofar as this nature is a foundation of being, which is the way that he describes our distinct concept of substantial being, that really sounds to me like a complex concept. How is that a simple concept? Section three, a better way. I argued in section one that the simple many concepts position was problematic. In section two, I explained what I take Kajetan's middle way to be and suggested that it still has problems. Now I'm going to give a position that I think does a bit better. This position answers our opening question the simpler way. There is one formal concept of being separate from every categorical concept. Again, this view seems to collapse into university. Um, Kajetan and Ferrariensis both have arguments in certain places where they reject this view for, for precisely this reason. I don't think that this is right. When developed in some of the ways that it has historically been developed, the one concept view is perfectly compatible with a strong rejection of university. Indeed, one version of the one concept view looks very, very similar to Kajetan's view. Kajetan and Ferrariensis's extra confused concept of being will just turn out to be the only concept of being. The overall strategy is to have just one formal concept of being, specifically one formal concept, that is, each token concept obviously will be numerically one, but to give this concept a lesser representational unity. Unlike the formal concept of a univocal term, the formal concept of being does not present to us some precise aspect of things, which all things share in the same way. For there are primarily diverse sorts of things. An accident, for example, and a substance cannot be exactly alike in any respect. There are no intelligible aspects, raciones, that they share. An accident is, though, somehow like a substance in that both of them are beings. They are, according to this theory, alike, but not exactly alike in any respect. They are similar without univocally sharing any properties. Our one analogous formal concept represents them insofar as they are alike, but doesn't pick out some exactly similar feature in each of them the way that a univocal concept does. Corresponding to this lesser representational unity is a less unified objective concept. The objective concept is of things presented not insofar as they are exactly alike in some respect, but simply insofar as they are somehow alike without being exactly alike in any respect. There have been various proposals for how to characterize this sort of representational unity. So uh, Caprellus and Yavelli suggest a unity of attribution. Socinus suggests a unity of disjunction. The most promising proposal to my mind is to develop Peter Oriol's idea of a unity of confusion, which can be neatly combined with Kajetan's idea of proportional unity. So you can see this in text three on your handout. Oriol stakes out his position on the concept of being in opposition to two views. 
The first is a kind of simple-minded, many-concept view, probably the one defended by Hervéus Natalis. He has lots of cool arguments against this view, including a version of the certain and doubtful arguments. Uh, being isn't identical to the particular rationes of things or to any combination. The second is the scotistic univocal view, where being picks out a ratio according to which all beings are exactly alike in respect of that ratio, and isn't predicated quidditively, and being isn't predicated quidditively of its differences. Oriol rejects this view too, partly because he finds the scotistic idea of differences that aren't quidditatively being incomprehensible. So instead, Oriol thinks of being as wholly undetermined to any one ratio. It is instead the rationes of all things confusedly. If you look at the proper natures of any two things with blurry enough eyes, as it were, they will look the same, even if they have no exact similarity to each other. Following Aquinas' account of how concepts add to being, Oriol claims that the proper rationes of things don't add to being like differences. They don't add something that wasn't already there in the first place. Instead, they add to being by making explicit something that was already there in being but in a completely confused and indistinct way. John of St. Thomas discusses this kind of confused cognition extensively in his treatment of the analogy. You can see this in text four on your handout. John seems to think of himself as explaining in more detail how the extra confused concept of the analogon that Ferrariensis and Cajetan gives us works. I'm not sure whether he's directly aware of Oriol's account or if there are uh, more immediate antecedents to his treatment. Although John claims to be agreeing entirely with Cajetan, he seems to think that this confused concept is the one that matters and is quite emphatic about its separate unity, as you can see in the, the first paragraph of the quotation. John then gives a beautifully detailed account of, what ex of exactly how these separate confused concepts are supposed to work, a small portion of which is in the second paragraph on your handout. John claims that there are two kinds of abstraction. In the regular kind of abstraction, which produces univocal concepts, one attends to one aspect of a thing and separates that aspect from others. It is as if I was looking at someone and I focus on their face, not seeing the rest of their body at all. This allows you to separate off precise aspects according to which things are exactly alike. For example, a species, a genus. But there's also abstraction by confusion, which produces analogical concepts. Here, I don't isolate some aspect of a thing from others. I just see the same thing with less distinctness. It's as if I was looking at someone and then I take off my glasses and I see that same somebody as a fuzzy blob. I see the whole of them, both the face and the rest, but very indistinctly. This allows you to see the proportional likeness of two things that are primarily diverse but that are alike without being exactly alike in any respect. Now, I propose that we take this account of the confused concept of being and then say, that's the only simple concept of being that we have. Notice, we can still make up less confused, complex concepts of being adequate to one of the analogous, like substantial being or Socratic being or Dasein's being. It isn't the being of beings. But this is only a different concept of being in the sense that human animal is a different concept of animal, not in a very interesting sense. It is the one separate, analogous, confused concept I propose, which is used in demonstrations in metaphysics, which is the first known, 
and which we think with when we think about being. Does this account of our being entail the university of being? Well, clearly not. Aristoteles Latinus defines univocals as terms whose name is one and whose ratio substantiae is the same. According to this view, there is no ratio substantiae, no one isolable, exactly alike aspect common to all the beings. Primarily diverse beings are not exactly alike in any respect, but those diverse rationes, in virtue of their proportional similarity, can all be cognized with one confused concept, the formal concept of being. So one can hold to one concept of being, but still reject the university of being just as much as Cadogan did. Section four, conclusion. I've argued that a simple-minded many, simple many concepts position just doesn't work. Explained why I think Cajetan's middle position is brilliant but problematic. And outlined what I take to be a more promising position. I'll now conclude by weighing up the one concept position against Cajetan's. It seems clear to me, at any rate, that the one concept position is better. First, the one concept position does at least as well on the equivocation problem. If the sort of concept formation that John of St. Thomas describes is possible, then it seems fairly clear that it should gives us, give us concepts that confound contradictions for much the same reason as Kajetan gives. I abstract a separate analogous concept by considering some set of things insofar as they are proportionally similar. Nothing can be both proportionally similar to a set of things and not proportionally similar to the same things. So the analogon can found contradictions, be a middle term in a demonstration, et cetera, et cetera. Second, the one concept position does better on the phenomenology problem. The reason why it feels like there's one concept of being, I think, is that there just is one concept of being. I can't find anything in my phenomenology that corresponds to Kajetan's simple concepts of being adequate to one of the analogates, but distinct from all categorical notions. It just doesn't seem right to me that there are all of these distinct concepts of being in addition to our regular concepts. I have a regular categorical concept of each of the analogates of being, and I have a confused concept that imperfectly represents all of these. Why do I need anything else? Now, perhaps my interpretation is wrong. Perhaps Kajetan didn't really mean that there were distinct concepts adequate to the analogates, although it really seems like that's what he says. Just that maybe categorical concepts are concepts of being. But in that case, we should just deny that the categorical concepts are concepts of being at all, except in roughly the way that human is a concept of animal, that is, by being one of its inferiors. Again, it may be that the word being is sometimes applied to a categorical concept. Some, maybe sometimes what we mean by being is, is substance or something like that. But what interests us here is the most universal transcendental concept into which others are resolved, not how many senses the word being has. As to the certain doubtful argument, we can, with Oriol, simply accept the conclusion. The argument does a great job, as he says, proving that the one concept of being is not the same as any categorical concept, but it doesn't follow that being is univocal. Third, the one concept position does better on the first known problem. We can take all of the interesting things that Aquinas and Avicenna say about the concept of being at face value. There's just one concept of being which represents confusedly all of the particular categorical ways of being. This concept can itself, of course, be understood more or less distinctly. I can see some things that are true of being in general without seeing other things that are true of being in general. 
That concept is what gives us our first knowledge. It's the concept into which all other concepts are resolved. It's the most simple, et cetera, et cetera. No need for a nigh infinite set of distinct prima cognita. Fourth, the one concept position has the advantage of theoretical simplicity. Kajetin's view seems to have a separate confused concept anyway, so the view doesn't add any new elements, just removes the useless proliferation of distinct notions of being. As compared to the straightforward view on which the formal concepts of being just are the concepts of the categories, the one concept view does add an extra concept, but this has the advantage of not leading to unsolvable problems and destroying the possibility of metaphysics. Thank you. Thank you.